What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad. Thanks so much for listening. I uh, got my year-end Spotify stats uh, recently. I've had an account for years, but um, this year they started doing something where they send you stats like how long you listen the whole year, um, what you listen to, your top genre, stuff like that. Um, basically like a baseball card for your listening habits. Um, it says here, I listened for almost 50,000 minutes this year. And that sounds like a lot, but I don't have anything to compare it to. But when I do the math on it, it's a little over a month of total time. And when you break that down, it's basically like two hours a day. So not too excessive, right? (laughs) I thought I'd share some of my discoveries from 2018 in the form of a top 10. Now, these aren't ranked in any particular order. It just really depends on my mood that day as far as which of these albums I think is the best. I will say the one I spent the most time with on Spotify, if Spotify is correct, is uh, A Perfect Circle, Eat the Elephant. Um, Apparently, I spent 17 hours listening to this one. And part of the reason for that is that the last time A Perfect Circle put out an album, it was 14 years ago. And I've been anticipating this one for a while. Uh, Since their last release, the sound has changed fairly dramatically, um, quite a bit. Uh, Stylistically, their other releases have been what I would classify as new metal or rock. Um, But Eat the Elephant is much more uh, lighter. It's more of an adult alternative now in terms of genre. Uh, They don't even have a guitar for like the first seven minutes of the album it uh it opens with a piano a vocal and like this jazz drum beat um a perfect circle is laying it out from the beginning that it's not business as usual this time around Um, another aspect that kept me coming back to this one is just how many layers it has Uh, they start with what sounds like a very simple song and just slowly build until by the end, it's just this beautifully lush wall of sound. And uh, the front man of the album, um, the front half of the album, I should say, is really the best. Uh, The songs just flow so well that it reminds me of uh, Pink Floyd in that respect, just the way that each song would sort of lead to the next. I also love just the overall lyrical themes of the album. They've uh, they've always been outspoken about their disdain for religion, which does show up on this album, but not quite as aggressive as like Judith. Um, oh, that's a song on their debut. 
this album is more of a critique on society and the state of politics. They have probably my favorite anti-Trump song, uh, The Contrarian. What I love about this song is that it doesn't paint our president to be just some bumbling buffoon. They take an angle that he's actually very clever and cunning. And another great track is Disillusioned. Um, I love these lyrics. It says, uh, We've been overrun by our animal desire. Addicts to the immediate keep us obedient and unaware. Feeding this mutation, this Pavlonian despair, we've become disillusioned. We run towards anything glimmering. It sounds better when he sings it, but I just love uh, what he's saying there. I think, uh, I kind of think he's telling me to put the phone down. And uh, one of the most pop friendly songs on the record is the one that has the darkest lyrics. Uh, it's called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, which is obviously a reference to the novel Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And this one apathetically uh, talks about the end of the world and how we basically uh, entertain ourselves to death. This album was well worth the wait, and I'm glad they took their time to get it right. Next up, I have an independent release. This one is from actually a friend of mine, Dan. He His moniker is The Infinite Calling. You may have heard me uh, bring this one up a few months back, I think. I think it was a few months back. Um, I reviewed this album on an episode, so it's not surprising that it's on my list. Um, but the more I listen to it, the better I like it. Uh, this is an ambient guitar album, and it just has so much depth to it. Uh, it's the only instrumental album on my list. I think with these songs, um, they're just so wide open when it comes to interpretation that it's less restricted than lyrical songs. Um, Dan's the mastermind behind the Infinite Calling, and I just love the sound and the tone on his guitar. The album just also flows like I talked about with the last one. It just one track kind of, you know, sets you up for the next one. They're, they still have the pause. It's not just one continuous song, but they sort of lead you up to the next song. And I love it when music can do that. It just sort of takes me to a place when I, when I just listen to the whole album, which I typically do on this one. Um, he's just such a good guitarist. It's so much fun to listen to. And he doesn't need a ton of instruments or lyrics to really accomplish the task of taking uh, me to that place. And um, he just builds this beautiful world of sound. And uh, this is The Infinite Calling's fifth release. And while Dan is very consistent in terms of quality, this is my favorite one so far. Um, and even if you're not a fan of ambient music or ambient genre, I think this album has a wide appeal. Um, it's, it's engaging. The tunes actually get stuck in my head. <laughs> the, the melodies and counter melodies. It's just a wonderful exploration into just what the guitar can do. And, uh, I'd love to see Dan live. Um, Dan, 
come play in Austin. Get a South by Southwest gig. You're way better than a lot of the bands I see down here. <laughs> um, who else do I have here? Courtney Barnett. Tell me how you really feel. This is her second album uh, since her debut a few years back. She's an Australian indie singer-songwriter, and she reminds me of an early cat power, but sort of less melodramatic. There's something really infectious about her voice and the sound she has. It just pulls you in. Um, She's authentic. She's kind of just somebody you'd like to go have a cup of coffee with. (laughs) She's laid back and she just makes you laugh and makes you think at the same time. And her first album was full of just quirky, witty songs. And on Tell Me How You Really Feel, she kind of opens up more emotionally. Um, One of the tracks, Nameless Faceless, she does an epic (laughs) takedown of an internet troll in this just melodic fashion. I could eat a bowl of alphabet soup and spit out better words than you. (laughs) But you didn't, man. You're kidding yourself if you think the world revolves around you. It goes on. (laughs) But that bit about the alphabet soup was an actual comment from uh, some jerk. So I love that she worked that in. Um, The song has also just a very dark chorus. It says, I want to walk through a park in the dark. Men are scared that women will laugh at them. I want to walk through the park. Women are scared that men will kill them. And she goes on to talk about how she has to hold her keys in between her fingers. And I'll be honest, I was totally naive about all this stuff. Uh, at least a lot of it. After the whole Me Too stuff started coming out, I'm surprised that women even talk to men anymore. Um, getting back to the album, though, it's uh, a good one. There's uh, the song, I'm Not Your Mother, I'm Not Your Bitch. You can hear her real rage there. Uh, but it's in like this low-key voice. Um In her first album, she kind of meticulously mapped out these storylines. And on this one, she kind of shifts away from a narrative towards, you know, more emotional themes, which I think is a great direction for her. This, This album is excellent. So the next one on my list is, hey, this is a complicated one. It's uh, Jeff Tweedy, and uh, his latest release is Warm. And it took me a while to get into this one. Uh, That has to do more with my attachment to Jeff Tweedy's earlier catalog than it does this album. Uh, Tweedy is the front man for the Roots Rock slash Americana slash sometimes experimental band Wilco, which is a band that changed everything for me. When I was first introduced to Wilco, it was on their sophomore album, Being There. This would have been 96, 97, and I have Jimmy to thank for that. Um, After hearing this album, it just, a thought dawned on me that I could write songs, and I immediately started trying. Um, Needless to say, Wilco is one of my all-time favorites. Because of this, I judge... Jeff Tweedy's music so much more harshly than I do other bands. 
And in my defense, I mean, they have taken a few artistic detours that just left me out in the woods and my headlamp battery just ran out because I have no idea what the hell they're doing. If you need a reference for that comment, just look at Star Wars. It's an album of theirs that was released um, three or four years ago, and I could I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Um, but Jeff Tweedy on this album made me want to get the guitar back out because I love what he does on Warm. Um, it opens with the whispered line, I leave behind a trail of songs from the darkest gloom to the brightest sun. That's on Bombs Away. And the music this time is more of a step, it's more in step, I should say, with Wilco's alt-country roots um, than the experimental side. Um, which, it just makes the album more accessible. And I think that's a great thing because it would be a shame to lose some of these lyrics into just a sea of noisy guitars. One of the lyrical highlights for me is on the song, uh, Having Been Is No Way To Be. Yeah, check these lyrics out. Now that people say, what drugs did you take? And why don't you start taking them again? But they're not my friends, and if I was dead, what difference would it make to them? I feel like he is addressing the criticism from his fans or friends who are critiquing his art because he's sober now. And I've heard people make comments like this before about various musicians like, uh, oh, this guy was great back when he was on the drugs. <laughs> it's, it's very morbid. And I've probably made that same type of selfish comment in my younger days but i love that uh, jeff calls us out on it though and throughout the album he sings about missed opportunities mistakes made and death and another favorite of mine on this is don't forget where he's giving all kinds of good advice like uh don't forget to brush your teeth um things like that in the chorus, it's don't forget, don't forget sometimes we all think about dying. Don't let it kill you. <laughs> I, uh, I, th I just think that's so well, well written. I, I do think there's an underlying hope in these heavy subjects, though. Uh, I need to read his book. Uh, Steve was telling me it was really good. He just released a 300-page memoir, uh, Let's Go So We Can Get Back. And I hear it pairs very nicely with this album. Um, I know Jeff and I are kindred spirits because I recently saw a photo of him wearing a ghost shirt. I started listening to them about a month before I saw this picture. And when I started listening to this band, I thought to myself, I can't think of anyone in my social circle or people that I follow, musicians or celebrities that would listen to this band, but apparently I was wrong because me and Jeff Tweedy both enjoy this one. Ghost is a Swedish metal band that I am obsessed with. They are a blend of so many great bands. There's elements of Motley Crue, uh, Kiss, Dio. There's some Black Sabbath in there. I could list a ton of them, but 
I will say that they have just they've hit a sweet spot when it comes to making great metal that actually has melodies and harmonies and they're phenomenal musicians um prequel is the latest release it's their fifth one and i'll be honest it's not their best but it's really good um full disclosure for the faint of heart um ghost is an occult based satanic band <laughs> they wear mask and makeup uh their lead singer takes on a new persona for every album as this sort of demonic pope type character and i don't literally think that they worship satan okay these songs are very tongue-in-cheek almost to a fault uh they uh, are very dramatic but in some ways they remind me of like a really kick-ass christian rock band only they sing songs for the devil <laughs> um they're they're like the exact opposite of striper you know they don't suck and they sing for the dark prince this this one on the list is probably the weakest when it comes to lyrical depth but ghost more than makes up with that for their music they dive deep on 80s hair metal slash synth metal bands and they've got the big drums the shredding guitars they even have a goddamn sax solo on the instrumental track miasma uh one of the highlights of the record in my opinion i just i just love how they are able to switch lanes and styles around on this album and it does get a bit jerky sometimes but if you're in the mood it's it's definitely a fun ride um next on the old list here is another go-to favorite of mine father john misty he's got a new release god's favorite customer and josh tillman is the front man uh for this one he's back with another great album this is his fourth release under the moniker father john misty and it's a self-produced album he does a phenomenal job with the overall soundscape and mood um, one of the aspects of father john misty that struck me from the very first listen was his lyrical style I mean, this guy he loves to break down that fourth wall and just go meta in a song he'll deconstruct his own persona between tillman and father john misty and sometimes it's hard to tell if he's being serious or if the subject matter is a joke because this guy is hilarious he could do stand-up um, but this album has less laugh lines and really a more serious uh, feel to it it goes disturbingly deep into and heavy into his marriage relationship uh, the theme of the album is a guy that's just dealing with depression and drugs and how it affects his marriage. He addresses that in previous album, but this is a deep dive into his psyche. I, I think that's reflected from the very start on the cover of the record. Um, it has just a picture of him and he looks like he's got a lot on his mind. Um, there's a track called Please Don't Die which is very powerful. It's told from the perspective of his wife, 
about him being borderline suicidal. And it's like she's trying to pull him back from the abyss. Uh, There's some lines that say, all these pointless benders with reptilian strangers. Oh my God, you're so naive. You'll leave this world in a drunken heave. Who will make the arrangements, them or me? And it's just powerful. He's got a few references here about suicide and her trying to help him out of that. And he likes to switch the narrative around the voice between sometimes he'll sing as the first person and sometimes he sings as other people in his life. In Mr. Tillman, he sings the song from the perspective of a hotel lobby employee that's highly concerned about Josh's well-being. And his albums are always heavy with sarcasm and humor, but he strips some of that away for God's favorite customer and addresses mental health in a very open way. On the first few listens, I didn't get all the subtle tension of the album, but it became very apparent after about the third or fourth pass. And uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about Josh. <laughs> it's hard not to listen to the song like The Palace with its haunting chorus, I'm in over my head and not get concerned about him. Uh, I need all the musicians I love to stop talking about suicide, okay? (laughs) This is another great album, and Father John Misty is one of my favorite singer-songwriters out there. Next on the list is Leon Bridges. He had a new album in 2018. It's called Good Thing, and definitely lives up to the name. I talked about this album a few episodes back, and it's only grown on me since that time. Um, His debut release was, it was a throwback to the old R&B sounds of like Sam Cooke and Motown, that kind of thing. Um, Good Thing moves away from that sound. It's, It's not a complete overhaul, but it does show an evolution for uh, Bridges. I mean, he's still grounded in the old uh, style there, but I think he's coming into his own uh, more on this album. In the sophomore album, it's it's always a hard one. Uh, a lot of pressure there, but he really nails it. Uh, he manages to move the needle on his sound without straying too far. And I like how he's changed the way he talks about relationships in this one you know on the first album he's kind of a southern gentleman do anything for my baby type of guy which is great but in this one he there's a little bit more edge to his lyrics Uh, there's a song misses it's a great example of this he says sometimes i wonder what we're holding on for then you climb on top of me and i remember (laughs) and lines like this are much bold, much bolder, and uh, I think just make him more human and believable. Uh, so check this one out; it's really good. My friend Marcos is into this one too. Um, we both agree this is this is a top top one from 2018. My fellow vegan Moby had an album out this year. He's back with his 15th release, and it is a dense dark electronic album 
he kind of lost me for a few years while he was doing his post-punk thing. But this is where I like Moby's style the best. In, in his usual Moby form, he features some excellent guest vocals, which I love. But the highlights of the album for me are on his own vocals. In just the first cursory listen uh, on the surface, uh, he has this sort of speak singing, and it seems very tranquil. But after a few times listening to this album, I started to hear just how shaky and nervous sounding the delivery is. And it gives the songs um, more fear, more despair. It's like he's scared out of his mind about the state of things and it's weighing hard in these songs Uh, this one is great all the way through uh, from start to finish Uh, it is sometimes difficult for me to make it all the way through but that's not a critique of the album and how it sounds Um, it's just a bitter pill to swallow Uh, it's I, I do respect him for not shying away from the conflicting emotions that he's having on this album. And it sounds like that he has had since November 2016. It's just a beautiful record from start to finish, even if it is the soundtrack for the apocalypse. <laughs> Nico Case is another great release from this year. She has one called Hell On. And it is a... It's just another one that is just expansive and wide. Um, She is a sharp singer-songwriter and just spins these tales of like killer animals and sentient weather patterns. Um, She's also a powerhouse of a vocalist, but she also knows when to pull that back. You know, even though she has this amazing voice that can blow your door down, she knows when to pull it back for subtlety and she does that a lot on this album it's um there's just no questioning the amount of thought that she puts into constructing these songs like the clever gumball blue um she reflects on the consumerism that is just engulfing the world where we are witness to as she puts it damp bodies crammed into Times square and then goes on to describe lives clinging to the beep of a mobile phone and then later she says when strangers say i love you you're banished to the planet with no sound (laughs) and these lyrics play better when you're actually listening to the music Um, but this album it might be her best one since uh, fox confessor brings the flood Last but certainly not least on my uh, list here is Coulter Wall, Songs from the Plains. This guy might be one of country music's best voices and ironically will probably never be heard on a country radio station or by a lot of the mainstream fans. He harkens back to a sound from the early 1900s and it's like the sound of campfire cowboy songs. And when I heard his debut album a few years ago, I thought this guy must be in his 60s and he's just now getting discovered with his deep like baritone voice. And it just 
cuts like a serrated knife with a rasp, but he's only in his early 20s. I mean, I was seriously blown away when I heard that. This album is sparse and minimal, and it's rooted in traditional country back to a time when it wasn't even a genre. Uh, Culture Wall doesn't come off as an annoying hipster trying to be retro either. This sound feels really genuine and like he's been steeped into this, uh, like it's basically in his DNA rather than like a shtick. Sometimes when artists try to do these retro sounds, it comes off as hokey, but I think Coulter Wall is retro in spite of the time, not because of it. I don't know. I personally think his debut album was was better than this one, but they're both phenomenal. Uh, his producer, David Cobb, really captures that country western sound. And during the track, The Trains Are Gone, Cobb had him record the vocals next to an actual fire. Uh, this album isn't going to be for everyone. If you don't like country, yeah, don't bother with this one. But if you do, this is the sound of like Waylon Jennings, Marty Robbins, uh, Johnny Cash kind of uh, feel to it. You're going to love this record if you like that sound. And the fact that he's only in his early 20s and is already this good is really exciting. (laughs) I can't wait to hear more from Coulter Wall. Thanks so much for listening to me ramble about these albums I obsessed over in 2018. Did I miss any? I'm sure I did. Uh, Please let me know. You can reach me on uh, Facebook under The Coffee Buzz or my website, thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it, and I will talk to you next week. 